Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From choosing the right college, developing a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and more. Each episode will help guide your family through the various steps of the process. Now, here is your host. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I'm Sally Ganga from College Coach. Today is going to be all about what to do now that you've submitted all, or hopefully all, at least hopefully most, of your applications. After the initial relief, the waiting can be challenging for students and parents, so please stay on and listen to our advice. We've got some good stuff for you. We're going to start with practical advice from my colleague, Sarah Calvert-Kubram, about what you need to do now that your applications are in. And she's looking at me right now, if you're seeing this um, um, you know, in the video format. For our second segment, I'll be talking with Amy Alexander, college coach veteran and parent of college graduates, about keeping your counselor and teachers updated and how to care for yourself while you are waiting. And she's got some really great advice on that, too. And for our last segment, Alex Bickford of our college finance team will be going over what to consider on the financial aid and scholarship side now that you've finished with the admission side, at least for now. Um and actually, maybe I shouldn't have said finished, huh, Sarah? Because <laughs> there are some other things to do. So, um, so let's let's dive right in. And hello, Sarah. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. Hi, Sally. Thanks for having me. So, what should students be thinking about? Like, I assume we're talking to students who have submitted all their applications, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything has been submitted. You know, um, what what's the next step? Yeah. Well, I think the first you know, take a breath, have some fun. (laughs) I'll let Amy talk about that with you later more. Um, But on a logistical front, I think this is going to sound really silly, but the first one, keep an eye on your email. Um, Colleges are predominantly communicating with students via email, which I know feels a bit like an archaic practice for our young people who are texting, messaging. Mm -hmm. Um, So keep an eye on email. Also, make sure that you're setting up portals for each college. So you submit your application within a few days, colleges send usually an invitation to create a portal where you're tracking the application and just make sure you're following all of that. That's where you're gonna find out if you're admitted later, that's where you're gonna find out if your application is complete, if something's missing. So I would really start by making sure that your organizational systems are in place with your email, your portals, you know that your applications are complete. That's a quick one, but that's a good habit to practice before going off to college where faculty are just going to be in touch with you via email as well. Mm -hmm. But then I would pivot to some time, energy, and emotion to start getting excited and researching either colleges that you were admitted to under early action or earlier in the process, or schools that maybe you just applied to, but you think are kind of maybe safeties, places Mm -hmm. where you're like, okay, there's a really high chance I'm going to get admitted. And and here's why. If you wait until, you know, March, April to really start thinking about the colleges that you're admitted to, um, that can be a massively emotional, intense, stressful time to maybe visit campuses, to compare the financial aid packages, to have the final family meetings and conversations. Not only are high school seniors navigating going to campuses and doing this in the spring, but March and April are also when high school juniors start flooding college campuses to do their college search mm-hmm. and their research. And campuses are busy. You can be on massive tours. It can be hard to get one-on-one conversations with people. So what I love is using some more quiet time in, let's say, February, mm-hmm. if you can, go visit a couple of the colleges that are in running and consideration, see what they're like in just normal average student times, get on the campus, see if you can picture yourself, Um, whittle your list of colleges down as low as possible of the ones that you think you will be admitted to or you have been so that come 
April, you're really thinking of a narrow list of schools. So if you've been admitted to maybe four now, get that down to two Mm -hmm. or three that you're thinking you might actually consider so that you're preparing yourself for success as a family in March and April and only maybe having a couple schools still to visit, a couple more things to consider. I think that that can be a really helpful strategy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like kind of a tentative ranking even, because I'm sure all the colleges are great. So we're not saying, you know, that you'll even necessarily eliminate any of them, but you, what you can do is say, you know what? I really think this one is the best match for me. We Mm -hmm. actually, I listened to a segment. You and I talked about this last year. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. pretty similar. It's very timely. And, um, You know, one of the stories I told that I think is really illustrative was of a student who I was talking to who um, was admitted to Northeastern. um, And, you know, she very, very tough to get into, but she got into it early and she honestly hadn't looked into it that much, I think, because she was focused more on the West Coast. She had applied to some Ivies. She didn't get into the one that she applied to early. So it was kind of like, what now? And um, so I was talking over Northeastern with her and she hadn't heard of the co-op program, which Mm -hmm. I was shocked by. I mean, so she, she had sort of applied to Northeastern just because she heard it was a good school. Mm-hmm. Um, she managed to get in without doing that research, that due diligence. And she had no idea about the co-op program. And when I told her about it, she was so excited because she really wanted to get to work as soon as possible. Like she was really excited about hands-on. And I was thinking if she hadn't had that phone call with me, she yeah. might've passed over Northeastern. But as it was after our conversation, it kind of skyrocketed right to the top. She was so mm-hmm. excited about it. Yeah. And I think that's a great example that, you know, sometimes students are so overwhelmed when they're doing their initial college search that, you know, yes, to you and me missing a hallmark like the co-op at Northeastern might seem wild. But to these young people, they're overwhelmed and they're taking in so much information that it can be a great time to pause, to narrow in, (laughs) to go really research. One thing I always liked when I was an admissions officer A lot of colleges also offer smaller programs for admitted students in January or February. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I've been seeing that colleges will do that in person, but also sometimes online, like they'll host a panel with current students or, you know, opportunities to interact that are a lot more low-key, smaller groups, because they're only offering these to the students that were admitted early. And so you have that kind of low-key time. Um, The caveat I will say there is if someone's admitted early decision, well, you're done, right? Do you tell all the other colleges you've been admitted to? Thank you, but no. Mm -hmm. Um, You you relax. But early action, where it's non-binding, use those events usually in February. Take advantage of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or as you said, if you're pretty sure you're going to get into a particular school, right? Like it's not a reach school. It's not one of these schools with admit rates below 10% you know, like it's, Mm -hmm. you know, then spend some time researching them and, and genuinely get excited about them. I'm, I'm, Mm -hmm. this process is so hard on students' egos and I'm not trying to make it sound like there's something wrong with that. It's just, it's taken on an outsized, I mean, what's wrong with that is that it's painful for the students, right? It's taken on an outsized importance Students see it as a referendum on their worthiness in society, which it absolutely is not. There's so many reasons why you would or wouldn't get into a particular college. And so they'll sort of see certain colleges as a as a come down, as sort of a letdown. And I just feel like if you can just focus on what's my experience going to be for the next four years, that really will open you up to getting excited about college and realizing how many opportunities mm-hmm. you're going to have at I mean, there's 4,000 colleges in the country. If you can't get into those, the 20 most selective, that actually says precisely zero about you as a person. Well, and not to mention that some of the quote unquote safeties could be the place where a student is a big fish in that pond, that they'll stand out, they'll get internships, they'll be invited to do research with faculty. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they might have interesting things like smaller classroom sizes, interesting study abroad programs. So I think doing intentional research and picturing yourself there for enthusiasm and excitement, not just to psych yourself out that, oh, these are could be great places, but authentically figure out, okay, what are the hooks here? <laughs> you know, why, why did I apply? Let me think about that. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll let Alex talk about it, but 
a lot of times those schools can be the financial sweet spots too. They might come with merit scholarships and mm-hmm. that's something to consider for most families as, as well. So, mm-hmm. and, yeah, we'll and be think, talking about that more with Alex, but I think that that is something that needs to be thought about early and frankly, probably often, you yeah. know, have the discussion about it. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking when you say this emphasis on the self-assessment and ego and emotions for teenagers right now, I think that from a parent perspective, which can be really wild as well, is, you know, when I applied to college, I was one of the last couple of years of applying on paper, not online. Mm-hmm. I applied to three schools for undergrad and I took the SAT once. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a, a different process. And I think that so often parents I talk to are overwhelmed themselves. How do we navigate when a student's been admitted to eight schools? This is overwhelming. And so that is a different experience than what, you know, to date myself, I graduated high school in, you know, 2002. So I'm not old, but Mm -hmm. I'm old enough that this is wildly different. And I think validating that for parents that yes, this is a different journey than Mm -hmm. they went on and thinking about everything you can do as a family in the next two, three months to prevent stress in, in, in that decision-making in April, mm-hmm. um, because that's what we want to avoid is let this be a joyous decision and a, you know, positive outcome and getting excited versus panic in the, in mm-hmm. the month of April, which I validate it's real, but you know, what can we do to prevent it? Right. And I, I think I'm really glad you brought up parents because they can do a lot to counteract. I think the messaging that students are getting at the school, I think they feel sort of helpless sometimes because the messaging among the peers is so strong that you have to get into XYZ school and, you know, depending on the school district, of course. Um, But I have found that students who have the support of their parents do do better in this process. That even though it can be challenging for them, if their parents are like, look, I am super excited for you to go to this school just as much as that school. So let's get excited about it. Let's find out more about it. It's These are all great yeah. outcomes. And I have truly found that those students bounce back faster. So parents, you absolutely feels like you're not making a difference. I can promise you that you are in this. I agree. And you know, one more nuts and bolts thing that often comes up with questions from parents, I find in particular, well, you wait to hear from colleges, should you send updates to them. And I think that's something that's worth quickly discussing. Um, You know, no, you shouldn't call or email the Office of Admission constantly because Mm -hmm. their eyeballs are busy reading the applications, right? But if a student has a big update, they win an award, they get a brand new internship or a job, something significant that they're proud of that you really feel like adds flavor or accomplishment. I really would encourage sending an email to the Office of Admission to the colleges you're waiting to hear back from. Um, Usually you can find the name and email address for the admissions officer who works with people in your regional area Mm -hmm. or the main office Mm -hmm. and just say, here's my update. Don't write an essay, have it be matter of fact, Mm -hmm. have it just be a quick addendum that can be added to the file. Um, Another thing that tends to come up is that most high schools finalize first semester grades um, in end of January. Mm -hmm. And so high school counselors are usually driving the ship on this, but in case they're not, not um, take some ownership and making sure that your school is sending updated grades from the first half of, of 11th grade at 12th grade mm-hmm. um, so that those can be considered under regular decision. Uh, this doesn't come up super often, but I do talk to students who take a last attempt SAT or ACT and those scores come in right after they submit their application to concrete, tangible updates like that um, are, are definitely worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That being said, we're not recommending that you take the SAT six times or anything like no, that. But but absolutely not, if but. the way but if the way your schedule worked out, it made sense. That is a great thing to submit. Absolutely. And it's not too late. Even if the deadline is passed, absolutely the colleges will most colleges, I would say, maybe not all. The UC certainly won't take anything new, I think, but although they will take test scores. So well, yeah. they won't. The test scores, though, for the UCs are just used for course placement in college. Oh, that's right. Be, I completely be, forgot. Yeah, uh, test free for admissions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I remember they yeah. used to take them through December, and I was thinking yeah. about that. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that gives you your answer. Nothing for the UCs, but it's worth <laughs> it to try. It's worth it to check with the school and see if they'll take yeah. something else. So, yeah. 
All right. Thank you so much, Sarah. So we're going to take a short break. And when we return, I'll be talking with Amy Alexander about how to care for yourself and thank your teachers and counselors. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts, who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions, offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome, Amy. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So I am very excited to hear your thoughts about... (laughs) Not just why you should keep your counselor and teachers updated, but you had a lot of other ideas about things that students should be thinking about now that I'd sort of never thought to recommend to students. So let's start with the nitty gritty. Okay. um, And then you can go to kind of your broader advice, which frankly, I think is probably good for everybody, not just students. (laughs) So um, so let's talk about thank you notes. Okay. So I think it's really important for students to write thank you notes, um, and you're going to write to a handful of people. You're going to write probably to your school counselor, your teachers. Then you might have other people, what we call the supplemental or other recommenders. Don't forget those. They might be a sports coach or a religious leader, a supervisor, an advisor, um, a peer, you know, you think you know them and they know you and they're doing this, but it's just good practice to say thank you to all these people because they're in this with you. And uh, it's good practice because you're going to be doing this after you interview, maybe for jobs on campus or later on. It's just something to start doing now to thank you to them for taking time and energy that they care about you. But it's a good habit for you to get into. Um, the other thing I think is really important is that um, teachers aren't required to write recommendation letters. That's not part of their job. Mm-hmm. But they do it because they really care about the students they're teaching. 
so they want to recommend you. They care about your outcomes. So you spend the time saying thank you to them. I think it's really, really important. Um, you know, they're going to support you on this college journey. So you're showing appreciation and understanding, which will help you lifelong. I taught my kids to write thank you notes after birthday celebrations or someone writing them a recommendation letter. And to this day, they'll say, oh, I remember when Cal was 10 and mm-hmm. he did this and he's still doing it. So I think it's just a great habit to start doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then I think one other thing I want to add It's why would you want to keep your teachers updated on your results as they Mm -hmm. come in? Why are you saying thank you to them? Don't just write the thank you and then just kind of move on. Um, It's a good idea to do those soon after they've written the recommendation letters. You've completed your applications. Don't feel like you have to do it the minute they give it. But once you've sent your applications in, that's a good time. Mm but I think there's a few reasons that are really important. You know, one, they're worried and anxious too, just like you mm-hmm. are. So they're invested. They're teaching you. They've been in the classroom with you maybe that year, maybe more than one year. Maybe they're an advisor in another capacity. And they want to know just as much as you do where you're going. Um, also, sometimes admissions offices will contact the teachers or the school counselor and mm-hmm. say, oh, we have a question about the application, whether it's the, um, the recommendation letter or something mentioned, it could be the activities page. So you want to keep those teachers informed, keep saying thank you, keep showing appreciation, keep that connection with them so that they can uh, respond when those calls or inquiries come in. And then the last thing is, you know what, every time they work with a student and they go through this college process, they learn something new, inevitably. Mm-hmm. So that helps them going forward the next year, the next five years, the next 10 years and helping other students. So you're doing a service really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think those are all great points. I mean, and when I was a high school counselor, if I got a handwritten note from a student, I didn't need something expensive. I mean, a gift certificate to Starbucks was great. Believe me, no complaints, but no expectation of that either. But when I got a note clearly from the student, not the parent, like the student or even an email, it was really special. And it was something that I remembered and it, you know, gave me that warm feeling and you work very hard not to have favorites, but that does come up in the back of your mind. Then if you're talking to an admission officer, so just that sort of gracious, I wanted to let you know, I got my applications in. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your help with this or whatever it might be. It's, it's meaningful. And that's what they're going to remember about you. I agree. And, you know, again, and we'll get to this in a minute, but you know, there's a lot of anxiety and stress around this application process and the teachers are there with the students. And I think that students should not feel stressed to get it, the thank you in the minute after they, they see mm-hmm. that upload or download it or however it is in the Common App or whatever application it is. Don't feel like, okay, I got to stay up tonight till 2 a.m. and do this. They understand. So wait till your applications, whether they were the early ones you just got in or, you know, the regular decision is around around the corner, January 1st, January 15th, somewhere a little later. So it's okay to do it after. I have a question for you, Sally. I mean, what did you said when you got a handwritten note? But nowadays, because of technology, we know kids are so uh, user friendly and the, the idea of a handwritten note. I'm never sure what to tell students. I say what you feel most comfortable with, but I do think that old-fashioned dinosaur of the handwritten stands out. I mean, what would you recommend? I mean, I liked the cards. I would put them up around my office. So, um, you know, I'm an old person. (laughs) I mean, certainly do a high. So I actually really did like those handwritten notes. And I was you know, I was like, I was a high school counselor on a high school campus. It was pretty easy for them to just drop it off. You know, Um, I think, yeah, do whatever you will do is what matters, right? Like, I want to absolutely stress that whatever you will actually get done, both of those are going to be great. But if you are in the same place as the person, like, and you really, and you think you can write a dash off, just like a quick thank you note, then I think that, you know, unless you're, you know, I don't know, maybe your high school counselor's 25, probably not. We tended to be like at least 40, uh, sometimes 35, I guess. 
like probably they're going to want those handwritten notes. And by the way, I wanted to follow up one piece of advice I give, like something that really kind of infuriated me was when um, as a high school counselor was when a student would come in and say, well, I got my applications. And so you have to get your recommendation in now too, like telling me how to do mm-hmm. my job. And as if they were the only student and I didn't have reasons <laughs> for the order that I was doing them in, you know, it was really, so what I tell students is look, right. That thank you note saying that you've submitted your applications. That's the information I needed. Right. But you're not telling me what to do, but because you got your application in, that will move you up in the line if there is another student who is not as on the ball as you, but where, you know, like obviously some deadlines are deadlines, period, and they need to happen earlier. But if there's a whole group of students who don't need it until the same day, the one who comes to me and says, hey, thanks so much. Just wanted to let you know I got everything in. It's all been submitted. Like that actually would move a student up in the line for me. Yeah, if, if there was some leeway. So that's the way to do it. Don't tell your teachers or counselors, you know, you need to do this now. Because honestly, that's rude. They're adults. It's not your place. But tell them, I got it all in. Thanks so much for your help. I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. And I think that's a valuable and really important point. We get so caught up in our bubble and in mm-hmm. our process that we think we are the only student. You mm-hmm. know, when I get students calling me and saying, well, I don't understand, you know, they don't have, I'm like, they have thousands they're compiling and putting mm-hmm. together. So the minute you send your application, you don't need to call the next day and say, right. is it all complete? <laughs> is everything there? You right. know, and, and we are all feeling it. Don't you student or parent feel like you are the only one or that the admissions office doesn't feel the stress and anxiety of this time of year Mm -hmm. as well. We're all in this together. And I think graciousness Mm -hmm. and gratitude, kindness Mm -hmm. are probably the most important emotions that you should be sharing and exhibiting this time of year for yourself, but also for, for those that are guiding and helping you. They know their job and they will get it done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 This, and this kind of leads into that other kind of maybe softer uh, part that I feel is really important after you submit your application. I think it's very important to write the thank you notes to thank everyone who's helped you. But stop and take a moment and thank yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, think, okay, all these other people have helped me. Yes, they have. And you, you know, it takes a village. But in the end, Pat yourself on the back. Mm-hmm. Stop. Take a breath. Don't feel, now what do I have to do? Now, take a moment. Pause. I tell my students after they get the early action or early decision applications in, take a few days. Take a week. Yes, you don't want to wait too long to start those regular decision applications, but you deserve it. Because I think self-care at this particular time when you're waiting for decisions is so important. And students who are applying to schools or care about grades and getting everything in are very anxious. We're seeing a lot of anxiety, very worried. And maybe, I know this is easier said than done, but take a step back and do something fun. Go get ice cream with friends. Mm-hmm. Do some breathing exercises <laughs> if you tend to, you know, anxiety and worry overcomes you. You know, if you're near a beach or near a park, go take a walk, mm-hmm. sign up for a pottery class, read a fun book. You don't spend time doing that. You have to read your English and your history and do your math problems. Read something fun, read a graphic novel, pull out a comic book, whatever it is that you that you need or you enjoy. Pull some other people and socialize. We've all so isolated, sitting, getting applications done and spending so much time in the wee hours getting your essays in, getting your recommenders and, you know, inviting them on Naviance or the Common App. Taking that time, I think, will help you get your regular applications done, your regular decision ones, but it will also just help you prepare for the results as they come in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so, so important. I think the other thing is, you know, practicing gratitude, like we said, for, for the teachers and others, but for yourself. That's mm-hmm. so, so important. Um, another thing is really be kind to other students. You might get into a school, but maybe two or three of your peers don't. 
Mm-hmm. So don't walk around, but I got into University of Richmond. I got into Tufts. I got into, you know, University of South Carolina. That's wonderful. And I'm sure everyone will be thrilled for you. But be modest and humble. Share results as others do, but be mindful that maybe they're not getting acceptances or they didn't get into the school that you both applied to and wanted to go to. There is not one institution for everyone. There Mm -hmm. are many institutions. That's why we always tell students, if you put together your balanced list of your reaches, your possibles and your probables, you're going to have options and you're going to have options you really like. So just be humble and be proud of yourself, but be humble about it too. I think that's a skill and a practice that will help you um, long-term as well. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Actually, at the the high school that I worked at, it was a fairly small high school and things would get really intense around decision times. And so some of our my top students, and I really appreciated them doing this, these were the students who were competitive for the most selective colleges. A lot of them just decided that they weren't going to tell anybody where they got in. They were only going to tell people where they decided to go, which I oh, thought was awesome. great, like just to kind of bring down the temperature. And we really started recommending that to everyone. Like, just don't talk about it because it's so stressful, you know? So the fact that you got into Yale or you got into, you know, to read, or you got into whatever school it might be, somebody else might not have gotten into their top choice. And so let's just be like, maybe use this time to be supportive of them instead Um, And then, you know, when all the dust settles, you can really congratulate each other on where you're going. Because, and the other thing I like about this is it makes it very clear that it's not about collecting trophies. You know, I really don't like it when (laughs) students, I, I remember one time a student of mine did not get into a school where his mother expected him to go. And um, so she she, not expected him to go, expected him to get in. He had gone into another school. He was happy as a clam. He'd come in to tell me that's where he was going. Life was good, right? That's where he was going. But his mother was very upset that he didn't get into this one college that she thought he deserved, basically. And so she emailed me. She's like, what are we going to do about this? And I said, well, I'm a little confused because I thought he was very happy to go to the school that he got into. And so I don't really see the need to follow up to get an admit when he won't go there anyway. And it was clear that she felt like he needed to be able to, or I think really it was her, right? Because he was was happy. He was so happy. Life was good, right? Yeah. Um, But she wanted to be able to tell people that he had gotten into this school, but turned it down. And I just thought that's not, no, that's not a thing. That's maybe you think it's a thing. It's not a thing. Yeah. And I think what you said is I I really tell students, don't feel like you deserve to get in or go anywhere. Schools have their institutional priorities, their mission, their goals. They're trying to collect students from all over the country, all over the world, different backgrounds to really give a great learning experience. They can't take all their students. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd say, what do we say? Like 80% of schools do take over 50%. But a lot of the schools, the selective, highly selective, more selective, don't. And that's why you have a balanced list. You don't deserve to get in or go anywhere. You should put together your balanced list, feel really good about it. Deep down, you might be like, I really am hoping for this one or two. And if you don't get it, it's okay. Mm -hmm. So you're prepared. But if you're sitting there saying no, or mom is saying, or dad or cousin or teacher is saying, which usually teachers do not, Mm -hmm. um, you know, then you're prepared. And like that, boy you were talking about he was thrilled he was mm-hmm. excited by his choice mm-hmm. so it really it's that it's that whole graciousness gratitude open-mindedness putting together that balance list and then you're gonna have options and really be happy in the end as mm-hmm. opposed to being miserable in the end exactly and actually yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna follow up on the deserve thing i talked to so many students who say well i worked really hard So I deserve this. And I say, well, you do deserve to go to a good school, but you got into good schools. Like a good school is not, you know, to say that you deserve to get into a school that admits 3% to 5% of those who apply is a ridiculous statement. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I can't tell you how many students work hard, as hard as you. And frankly, sometimes harder. I mean, I've heard this Mm -hmm. from students sometimes where I say, 
I can tell you right now, I have a couple students who work way harder than you. Like, and I know that sounds crazy. And I'm trying to tell them to relax a little bit because it doesn't matter how hard you work. There simply is no guarantee. So, but I know, also think oh, go it's, ahead. it's very important to add to that. It's very important to tell the parents when you're working with families, uh, private school, public school, parochial school, no matter what, when you're working with families, you know, school counselors will say, it's so important that you think about this. It's every student works hard when the parent says, but my son, I mm-hmm. actually know for a fact he works harder. Well, he has one or two friends that come over. You have not seen the hundreds of thousands of students out there. Mm-hmm. And it's not just those three that are applying to this school. It's when they say that, that my son or daughter works, be proud of them. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But you have to look more of a big picture and get out of the small bubble that you're in. Exactly. Exactly. And again, practice the gratitude. Don't look, It's do, do not partake in the grass is greener. Instead, get excited. Let's loop back to it. Get excited about the options that you will have. There are exactly. great, there are so many wonderful colleges in this country. I mean, I like... And a lot of them, frankly, you haven't heard of. <laughs> right. And the student will end up, I've done, I've been doing this for 29 years. The student will end up going, wearing the sweatshirt. Mom puts the sticker on the car and thrilled. So be open-minded. And you really, if you have a positive attitude, uh, you're, you use graciousness, you will end up really yeah. happy. Yeah. The example that I always like to use is a friend of mine who didn't get into Brown. She was double legacy. It was a big, stressful thing in her family. She ended up going to McAllister and Mm -hmm. she's like, to this day, she's like, thank God I didn't get into Brown because I (laughs) loved McAllister. Like she was like, I loved McAllister so much. So I, I, I love that example. And, you know, she mm-hmm. went on to University of Chicago for graduate school. So I think life was good. You know, exactly. like it was totally fine. So exactly. All right. Well, this has been great, Amy. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Sally. You take care. You too. All right. So we're going to be taking a break now. But when we return, I will be talking with Alex Bickford about what to do now from a finance perspective. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts, who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions, offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. This companion piece to her successful guidebook series, The Space of the Waste, focuses on body types and how to make your waist length flattering, no matter what your body type is. Guests include designers, merchandise managers, factory owners, and more. You'll also find out what accessories will complement your body shape and waist length. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. 
Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome, Alex. We have Alex Bickford here to talk about what to do from a finance perspective now that you've submitted all your applications. So when should families expect, first and foremost, I think their financial aid offers? Yeah, well, first, Sally, thanks for having me. And it's really dependent on a couple of different things. Financial aid offers are going to depend on what type of admissions you applied for. So first, if you applied early decision and you've been accepted early decision or, you know, by kind of the new year or expecting to get early decision uh, decisions, uh, if you are, in fact, accepted, you should receive a financial aid offer if you submitted the need-based financial aid application. Uh, you should receive your need-based financial aid offers at the same time or in around, you know, the same 24-hour period of your acceptance for admissions. And the same with merit aid. If you are, if your school that you applied to early decision, in fact, offers merit aid, uh, and if they're going to offer you merit aid, it will be within that same kind of 24 hour period. Mm -hmm. I've heard of some schools it taking 48 hours, but yeah, maybe. Yeah, 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 exactly. It should should be really quickly really thereafter. Really quickly, yeah. They, because they give you, obviously, you know, Sally, they give you a certain amount of timeline for you to respond back to them that, yes, I'm taking this. Uh, and you need to know your finances for the most part uh, before you commit to that. Uh, so they want you to know kind of really readily thereafter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. For early uh, application, early action, a little bit different. Uh, so for once again, for the merit perspective, for the most part, not always, but for the most part, you'll get those kind of merit offers pretty readily thereafter, you know, a couple days, but in that same time frame, sometimes even within that same day, uh, in that kind of same correspondence, you may receive a merit offer. A need offer could come earlier on, and a lot of schools are doing it earlier on, but mm -hmm. it wouldn't surprise me for it to go into the new year, even into February, uh, to see those aid offers for, for early, early action. They try to get them out sooner because they are trying to, in fact, fill a class uh, or at least fill mm -hmm. part of the class. So most schools are getting them out pretty readily, but it can delay just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Regular decisions, a whole different ball game. It's going to depend on when you get accepted. Uh, when you get accepted, once again, generally merit offers, if you're going to receive one, it's going to come pretty, pretty speedily thereafter. Uh, for need-based offers, it could be February, March, even into April timeframe that you see those. Uh, depends on the financial aid deadline at that school. And of course, that you have all your documentation in uh, for those applications. I mean, in general, they want to get that information to you as soon as possible because they want you to enroll. Right, and exactly. So they, they, they want that good news followed by good news. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, or hopefully you'll see it as good news. <laughs> right, and if exactly. not, you know, they you, hopefully they're giving you enough time that you can, you know, maybe appeal. For example, yeah. So, so the in, in the, that's one of my kind of final points there. But yeah, as these offers come in and as these offers stack, mm -hmm. I think it's really important to keep track of these offers. Uh, especially if you're not, or, you know, if you're early decision and you're committing to a school, a little bit different of a picture. Um, but if you are early action or regular decision and kind of waiting for offers to come in, you need to find a way to manage those offers and uh, an Excel spreadsheet or whatever the case may be to find out, well, what is my bottom line? And I'm not worried about what the loan offers are, but I'm worried about what my direct costs are minus any scholarships or grants that I'm getting. Uh, so I get that kind of net price. So you can kind of compare from school to school to school. What is my net price at that school? Uh, because at some point, you probably will want to go back to those schools uh, and potentially ask for 
either additional uh, merit consideration uh, through kind of a negotiation tactic, or if you have extenuating financial circumstances, or if somebody offered you a much better need-based financial aid offer, going to the financial aid office and doing a financial aid appeal, as, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say, by the way, Alex helped my sister. So my nephew True. actually got, uh, I think his grant went from 7000 to 20000 a year, which was pretty great. My sister was texting me and she even texted me at one point, the dean of admission just called me. Like, <laughs> I mean, was they, this last year or the year before? This was the year before year last. Before. Like they were motivated to get my nephew there. He had been admitted. Yeah, that's right. He liked it. Um, you gave my sister some tips. She went to them and basically said, he wants to go here, but it's not enough money as it currently is. And they stepped forward. So, And, and I got to give your sister a big kudos on that one because I gave her the tips, but she definitely embraced it and ran with it mm-hmm. uh, and did a lot of that leg, leg work that, that is required. You've got to put in the effort because if you don't put in that effort, nobody's going to come banging down your door trying to get that kid to enroll for the most part and give you more money. You have to kind of be your own advocate. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, we have lots of like blog posts and things like that on it. Where we won't talk about it a ton more here today because we we don't have time. But if that topic, I'm sure, will be on the calendar in a future, oh, yeah. future broadcast. For sure. <laughs> Popular topic come February. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Come February. Yes, we, we it is relevant to the moment. So. Um, All right. So just to kind of get into some of the practicalities of it, admission officers often come through a portal, like students get an email, they're told to log into a portal. So is that how financial aid officers officers are happening? Yeah, Yeah. 99 times out of 100. And and it's important. And and for parents out there, uh, this is kind of going to be your first taste of this. Regardless of whether you're paying the bill or not, the communication is not going to you. Financially, offers are not going to you. They're going to the student. So this is going to be the student's email address. They're not going to be sending you an email and reminding you to have your student check it. So communicate with your students. This is important for them to check their portals uh, and to go out there. So oftentimes, I, I haven't received an offer from that school yet. I said, have you checked the portal? Uh, and they'll go out. And in fact, there will be one. So uh, definitely something to watch out for. Uh, and just kind of in that, in whatever school that your student does enroll, and once again, this is a topic for another day, uh, but make sure that you have your student sign whatever waivers they need to sign to get you mm-hmm. on that billing information and financial aid information out there. Uh, if you are going to be, in fact, paying that bill and need that information and don't want to have to go through your student, uh, that would be something to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the colleges are not going to message you on Discord or whatever the latest thing is. I mean, no. <laughs> like they are. We talked about this when it came to admission stuff. We are old people. We used email very comfortably. Yeah. Like the rest of it is right. not so much our thing. <laughs> so, and, and, and you know, I, that will be interesting to see as a new generation moves into admissions offices and as a newer generation comes in to schools, how they'll communicate with students. But the key thing is they're contacting your student and not you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very key. So yeah, you kind of need to be on the student to make sure that they're checking their email. That's the biggest thing, at least until that shifts for sure. Right. Um, Any like additional thoughts? I mean, you talked about um, tracking offers using a spreadsheet. What are some of the, um, are there other ways to track it? Is it really just going to the portal and then putting the information into the spreadsheet? Like, so, I mean, you know, for, for clients of ours, we have a, a, a cost comparison tool out there uh, on mm-hmm. uh, on your portal. Uh, for folks who are not, there there are a lot of different kind of financial websites. A lot, Oftentimes, student loan lenders and state-based mm-hmm. lenders may have a comparison tool on their website. Uh, so those would be kind of things to look at. But with, whichever way you can, even if it's just cutting it down on paper and saying, this is what the cost is at this school, this is what I got for free money, and here's my bottom line. That's going to be a really important piece. And if you haven't started to have the conversations around the dinner table uh, about costs and about affordability and about your budget, now is certainly the time to do so. And as these offers offers come in, uh, what I say is a student who hasn't uh, had a conversation with a parent about budget and about cost doesn't have a clue about Mm -hmm. what the parent's budget and, and cost criteria are. Uh, so there's nothing worse than a student getting ready to enroll and making their decision and parents saying, this is just not going to work for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, better to have that conversation 
now. I mean, it would have been better in the junior year even, but mm-hmm. better to have that conversation now than May 1st is coming around and you're getting ready to write a deposit check. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't stress that enough. I've heard so many tales of yeah. student gets into their dream school. The parent has never said a word about money previously. Right. And suddenly the parents are saying we can't afford this. And it's fine. The parents can't always afford right. things, but they needed to know that ahead of time, I think. Yeah, open line of communication. And listen, in, in today's economy, it's not uncommon that you thought when you applied that maybe you were going to be able to afford it. And stuff happened and, and you can't. And after you go through that financial aid appeal process, and I stress that hugely now, I know that there's a lot of layoffs going on and mm-hmm. I hope none of you out there are impacted by that, but I'm sure some of you are. So do those financial aid appeals, let the colleges know what's going on. And then after that, if things still don't work out, you've got to be really clear with the student. And even before you do the appeal, you know, if this does not work out, then we can't, we can't deposit here. We can't afford this. Uh, mm-hmm. But certainly, you know, let the school know and bring them in. Uh, oftentimes they can help. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they can meet that, meet you in the middle at least. Right. So, all right. Well, Alex, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Thanks, Sally. All right. So definitely listeners, you should join us next week for the January 12th show, because you'll hear about what college students can do to get a job when they graduate. And no, it isn't just about having a business major. Um, and also how admission officers read an application. So those will be two super valuable segments. Um, I also want to remind you all about our archives, which are available 24-7 on the Voice America website um, and on our webpage at blog.getintocollege.com. I'm going to recommend again, I did this already, the December 22nd show, because our host, Ian Fisher, talked with guests about how to use the common data set, which is a data set all about colleges. It's really like the source of information that's going to be used by um, by all those other sources that you might be looking at, those other web pages. Um, and then also the Bureau of Labor Statistics Occupational Outlook Handbook, such a great resource. Yeah. Nobody seems to know about it, including very well-informed people. So listen to the December 22nd show, find out about the Occupational Outlook Handbook. And um, don't forget, we're here every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and the team of experts at Bright Horizons College Coach. Join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.